In the previous episode... So what are some immune-supporting herbs? There's some of these that are used as food that are really good for, you know, can you just put into soups and stir-fries? Artichoke. Artichoke is really good immune system support. It supports the liver as well. So artichoke, artichoke leaf especially. So that's the part that we generally don't eat, but those can be put into a pot and added to a soup. We've got burdock. Burdock looks like a potato that is the shape of a carrot. It has that outside brown kind of a skin that we can wash off really well. But burdock root is an amazing immune support. And it also, again, supports the liver. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, a podcast for health and wellness practitioners passionately committed to transforming our current broken disease-focused system. Your host, Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo, is devoted to helping you get results with complex health challenges like autoimmune, hormonal imbalances, and chronic health challenges caused by nutritional and lifestyle-induced imbalances. Here's your host, Dr. Rita Marie. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for health and wellness practitioners who are passionate about making a difference. On today's episode, we're going to explore the relationship between food and female hormones. If you're a health practitioner who really wants to help people to get well, not to just cover up symptoms, not to just apply protocols, whether nutritional or pharmaceutical, we are doing a live event that's just right for you. It's called Functional Nutrigenomics in Clinical Practice. And it's all about how you can learn the genetic testing you can do with people to help you to personalize their diet and lifestyle plans. And when you put that together with your typical really great functional history and lab testing, you're gonna have all you need. So join us for an online virtual event that you can attend from anywhere. It's June 2nd to 4th, 2023. And you can get there by going to nesliveconference.com. That's nesliveconference.com. And we'll also put the link on the show notes page. In dealing with the female hormone imbalances that occur with hot flashes and other uncomfortable symptoms many women experience in menopause, with PMS, dysmenorrhea, fibroids, and other syndromes, most doctors prescribe hormones or they put women on antidepressants or other drugs for symptom relief, or they tell their patients to just learn to live with it. Today's special guest, Dr. Anna Kabeka, is here to share other possibilities related to teaching patients how to eat properly for hormone balance. As holistic and functional practitioners, you owe it to your clients to learn how food affects hormones and to learn strategies for empowering them to make the diet and lifestyle changes that can reverse the uncomfortable symptoms of female hormones gone awry. Our guest today knows this firsthand. She has actually been through menopause twice had a baby in between, and she knows well the discomforts that accompany hitting that transition with hormones out of whack. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Anna Kabeka. She's triple board certified and a fellow of gynecology and obstetrics, integrative medicine, and anti-aging and regenerative medicine. She has special certifications in functional medicine, sexual health, and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. 
For the past 20 years, she's served over 10,000 women in her private practice and millions more through her books, online videos, and articles. When her own health took a troubling turn for the worst during menopause, she sought the wisdom of healers around the world. And she learned that modern medicine and time-tested natural remedies are not at odds. So working together, they create indisputable results and true well-being. Using delicious healing foods and simple lifestyle changes, Dr. Anna reclaimed her own health and life. And fueled by her own belief that every woman deserves to be empowered and in control of their health and life, she developed what she now calls the Keto Green Lifestyle which has helped thousands of women to use the power of food to opt out of menopause misery and experience a joyful transition to the next stage of their lives. Dr. Anna, thank you so, so much for being here. Dr. Marita Marie, it's always a pleasure, always a pleasure to chat with you. I love it. I love where we go with this too. And I love geeking out on the science and also the natural basic common sense wisdom that we always impart to our clients. It's the common sense, right? It's what can we do on a daily basis that's going to make the biggest difference. And we think, oh, well, you know, academia does not mean common sense. (laughs) That is for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure, right? And and it's putting the two into it. This is what I always struggle with when I see how conventional practitioners are taught to practice is that here's all the science and here's a drug to cover it up. Like, wait a minute, what about all those things that are that you can intervene with that you can help people and empower them to take charge of? We don't want to just cover it up. Because, you know, it's like, if you're bleeding, and you cover it up with a bandaid, you're still bleeding if you don't fix what caused you to bleed. And that I think is what happens here at menopause and with dysmenorrhea and all the other stages of menstrual hell sometimes. It absolutely is true. And I think about this from my firsthand experience with my mom, you know, like early on, I got into this because my, you know, women's health, because I recognized that the treatment my mom was undergoing was performed only on men. (laughs) And by the time of her premature death at a young age of 67, she was on 11 prescription medications, no two of which were ever studied in one person. And so this is a top-down approach to medicine where you're just symptom treating and you're treating side effects of prescriptions that are being prescribed to treat symptoms. And so it's very aggravating. And that's why I really made it my mission to get to the underlying root cause, to get to the, at the cellular level. How do I, if I can improve cellular function and cell-to-cell communication at the microscopic level, the nanoscopic level, then I'm creating health in the largest, fastest way possible. I love that. And I love that for a couple of reasons. But one is that when we think about food, right, people think about food, they think of it as an an adjunct. It's just this frou-frou. Oh, yeah, food might affect, but what are the real things that we can affect? But when you say affecting cell-to-cell communication, to look at it at that nano level, That's what food is, as it supplies the body with messages to do what it's supposed to do, as opposed to what it's been taught to do by, I don't know, dysregulation or... Dysregulation. Yeah, yeah. And and actually, Rita Marie, I'm just speaking in France in May, at the end of May, May 30th or 31st, and I'm speaking at the Women in Tech 
World Summit, and one of the the panel I'm on with you know amazing amazing individuals is about the food chain about you know setting the table for a billion people for instance and food scarcity and one of the members from the world bank gita sidhu i believe is her last name if i'm pronouncing it correctly and she said she said we have been addressing caloric sufficiency versus nutrient efficiency Mm. And that's a problem with our food chain. I think that's so true. But focusing on focusing on calories and not what nutrients our body needs and what messages those are sending. And so it's food is critically important and also changing the lifestyle that's been destructive. You know, the three meals, the three snacks. I think of our our kids at school, they're taught you know, have breakfast, have a snack, have lunch, have a snack, you Mm -hmm. know, and you're on your own. But it is that's like a culture that we have to change, we have to change, make it two, three meals a day. Let's, especially because as we get older, we naturally become more insulin resistant. So we have to fight that. So I, I love that, that quote that she said, caloric sufficiency versus nutrient efficiency. I love that. And I also love that you and I focus on food for nutrients versus, oh, how do we isolate this and turn it into a supplement? And don't get me wrong, we both believe in supplements and using it as supplements to a good diet. But that's a place where I think we get reductionistic in our mentality, right? Oh, we're holistic practitioners, we're functional practitioners. So now we give somebody 12 bottles of vitamins to take instead of the three prescriptions that they were taking before (laughs) and think we've made huge strides. Well, there are huge strides there, but you can't get anywhere without without the the right food and preparing the environment for that food to be received. So digestion right? Detoxification, what comes in must go out, elimination. So, and I went the game, I was that physician too, Dr. Rita Marie. I mean, especially the more I learned, I'm like, and I did testing and I was big into organic acids and look at every cellular function, Krebs cycle and on. And I, um, so, and I remember one time I was like, okay, I had this client, I had all these supplements and it came up to over 200 or $300 for the supplements. And I sat back and I said, well, what if we, you know, the, the best two, let's just start with the two that I think is going to be the biggest game changing for you. And I started there. And from there on, it went, you know, I really did whittle that down. But I just realized that, okay, well, wait, first of all, it doesn't matter how many nutrients we're putting on board, if the digestion's messed up, if the, you know, gut uh, bacteria, the intestinal bacteria, microbiome, if that's messed up, if we don't have digestive enzymes, if that's messed up, uh, addressing those issues. And that is critically important for hormone, you know, hormone absorption and detoxification and utilization. And so I, you know, my pendulum swung too. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Yes, we don't, we don't just go from being a conventional practitioner to being a holistic practitioner by swapping out the medications for the supplements. We do that on a much deeper level when we're working at people to affect change in their behaviors and their foods and all that. So given all that, right? So there are some foods that probably are contributing when we see somebody who's having miserable menopause and symptomatic and can't sleep and is sweaty and all. 
with there's some foods that contribute to that. I think that on a global le- level, from a societal level, but then individual levels. Can you address that a little bit? Yeah, there absolutely are. And I think that's where we're getting into the carbohydrates. And the biggest food that I see women doing wrong in menopause are those fruits. Those fruits that we love, and it is pure sugar. And so that's really something to be conscientious of. It's not that they're going for the bagel or the muffin or the cookies, you know, there, there may be that, but it's the, the, we think we're doing something right by making these fruit juices or these juice smoothies and, or fruit smoothies. And, you know, we have to think about that too. Like, okay, there's healthy information that we're going to get, but a little bit goes a long way in this picture. And then the unhealthy aspect of the rise in, in blood sugar. And if we don't need it, right, if we don't need it, there's certainly times when we do, but if we don't, then it's, it's, also creating this more insulin resistance can be very damaging to our physiology and our, you know, create disease. And one of the things that, as you were talking, I reflected on certainly my journey as a physician and hormone expert and prescribing bioidentical hormones. And what I had realized with my own journey was that it really takes more than hormones to fix our hormones. And through that, that's where the food as medicine really hit home for me and creating what I call my keto green way of eating and the lifestyle that goes with it. So even if we can't afford additional supplementation, the strategies through what we eat, when we eat it, even who we're eating with, right? (laughs) If we, you know, different things like that, if we're stressed versus relaxed and grateful, I mean, that all affects how our body will absorb our food. And that that's amazing. So things we can do that are very low cost. I would say sometimes it's the healthy things that women are doing, trying to improve their health that are actually destructive. And that would be, you know, too much fruits. And that would be snacking, and for most of us who aren't at our ideal body weight, that can be detrimental. Yeah. And you keep talking about insulin resistance and all. So can you just share with our audience? So they're working with clients who are in menopause. They're, they're maybe dysmenorrheic. Maybe they're infertile trying to get pregnant. How does insulin resistance impact the hormone, the female hormones in particular? I think we're really still add a paucity to understand this because insulin affects the ovaries. It affects the ovaries in so many ways. We know women with polycystic ovarian syndrome have insulin resistance. Is it the insulin resistance that causes the polycystic ovarian syndrome or vice versa? I would uh, suggest the former. However, we still have to look at all the ways that insulin affects our ovaries and our ovaries are communicating. Our recent study looked at women who had had hysterectomies. And we know that for diabetes, menopause is a risk factor for diabetes. Well, I didn't know that, but it is. Menopause is a risk factor for diabetes. Your risk increases significantly at menopause. And if you've had a hysterectomy, your risk is even higher. And if you've had a hysterectomy with your ovaries removed, we call that bilateral salpingo-ophorectomy, your risk is even higher. So is it the fact that removing the ovaries increases your risk for diabetes? Or is it all tied into this insulin resistance causing dysfunctional uterine you know, blood flow and ovarian production of hormones? So uh, it's still the chicken versus the egg phenomena right here, Dr. Rita Marie. <laughs> but I love, I love thinking about it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. It's always that issue. So what you've found. So let's look at there's the science, there's the studies, you know, yeah. so you can look at biochemical pathways, then you can look at studies, yeah. and they don't always yeah. are not always prepared properly. So let's just say, yeah. and sometimes there's bias when yeah. the study is being created that you want to have a certain outcome, and you can create the study to look that way. So we can't always trust studies. But what about your clinical experience with exactly. working with women yeah. who you change the diet? Let's just see. Yeah. It's inexpensive. It may be a little painful for them at first, but yeah. you get them to change their diet. What are the effects you're seeing? Yeah, this is so critically important. This is where I see the most rapid change the quickest possible. And it's certainly not where I was trained. And in fact, in our medical school systems for at least, you know, in the residency and the school I was in, it says, oh, well, you have to look at evidence-based randomized controlled trials. And if someone says, in my clinical experience, really have to question that individual. The opposite, in my opinion, has to be mm-hmm. true. I think that was brainwashing in the negative because you have to trust your clinical experience. So for all the practitioners listening, trust your intuition. What do you know to be true right now? What is you know, working in front of you versus what is not working. I mean, how many times have I, you know, uh, operated on a patient or prescribed something and needed to do something else as a result of that? I mean, we really have to think, okay, clinically, what works? And so when I started with through my own journey, reversing my early menopause, etc, and brought those practices into my medical practice, which did include the supplement that I created called Mighty Maca Plus. In my opinion, that is a foundational support for our adrenals. And um, as superfood combinations, 30 superfoods plus maca. So it is, you know, so in using like this system with my clients, say, for example, I had a 57 year old female coming in with continued hot flashes, uh, pre diabetic at this point with a hemoglobin A1C. I think anything over a 5.5 is pre diabetic. Technically, it's a six, but you guys listening, you need to think of it as a 5.5. Anything and over so, 5.2, I think, is a problem. So pre, it is it a problem. Is. It is it a is. problem. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And then that just classification pre diabetes, but it is absolutely, right. we want right. to get it optimal. You'll be proud of me, Rita Marie, even within book launch stress, my hemoglobin A1C is 5.0. So I'm pretty happy. It is good. And so uh, with diabetes on both sides of my family, and at one time, a hemoglobin A1C of 5.7. So you guys, this is a big deal. Um, And so, so with that to say that and I incorporate, you know, clients coming in and doing like the keto green plan, which I call a keto green plan, supporting with maybe, maybe without any additional, but I would, if I was seeing them in person, add in detoxification support. That's my keto green detox. I would add in Mighty Maca Plus to support the adrenals and alkalinity, especially as we start fasting and and carb restricting, getting into ketosis is very acidifying. So we need the alkalinizers on board. I see game-changing results, a 80% improvement within two weeks in symptom scores. And this is, you know, taking this online, as you have taking this online into my client population, I'm seeing that over and over again. And then I see where things stop working. And we hit a, you know, we hit a block, a roadblock, right? Plateau. And that's where I created my five plans to bust through the plateau, five, six day plans. And now that the book's been out just short, 
a short amount of time. I'm just reading all the testimonials. I mean, I knew it would work, but I am blown away by how much it's working and how fast it's working for people who were stuck. This one woman wrote in, I just read her testimonial on Amazon. I don't know her. And she wrote that in six days, she lost five pounds and she did the carb modification plan. And she, um, had been stuck for years at trying everything and had been stuck at her weight. And she totally moved the needle. And not only did she lose those five pounds, but she feels better than she has in forever. And that just is game changing. I knew it's like, this is a pause. And then we decide, okay, what's my next pause going to be? Or am I going to stay with this pause because I feel so amazing? And then when that stops working, we have to switch again. We have to keep changing things up, Rita Marie. And that's mm-hmm. what I found through my practice in in food as medicine. That's true with supplementation too. There's true with, you know, like, you know, with hormonal management. It's not one size all the time. So the book we're talking about here is Dr. Anna's latest book, which is called Menu Pause. Play on the word menopause, right? <laughs> and it's yeah. lovely because it's a it's recipes and food guidelines for various for people to follow, and it's not a a religion. Because <laughs> right. I always like to call the religions, you know, this religion is this way and you eat this way. No, everybody gets to choose. And there's a bunch of different menus that people can cycle through. But I want to get back to one thing before that you said, and I, I just want to clarify, you had said that you think a lot of the symptoms women that you're seeing are experiencing in menopause are related to the excess fruit consumption. But I want to go backwards from there because a lot of the folks that you're seeing are educated and they're trying mm-hmm. to, you know, eat more fruits and vegetables and less mm-hmm. of the crap. Right. But realistically, when women hit that age, it's because they've had a junky diet up until then, usually, right? There's too many carbs in the ways of the bagels and the breads that a more educated person may be already off of. Or the, and the rice sugar, or and the, the rice. healthy, the quinoa. I mean, there's there's like, we can be doing everything right. We hit this menopause and, and you know, everything we knew to be right, but it, it stops working. We're eating the alkalinizers, the grains, the nutritious foods, and we're the whole, you know, whole wheat. We don't eat wheat, but anyway, you know what I'm saying. You yeah. know, we're trying to think, okay, I'm making the better, healthier choice, or I'm eating the gluten-free snacks, or whatever it may be. And it's like, we have to completely revamp. We have to yeah. intermittent fast 13 to 16 hours between dinner and breakfast. We have to stop the snacking and allow our body to fully digest before it is assaulted with another <laughs> food to The assault eat. of the fork. <laughs> the assault of the fork. It's coming for yeah. you. And it doesn't give your body a chance to digest fully. Oh my gosh, Rita Marie, you know, I love Instagram. I'm on Instagram at the girlfriend doctor. And I did this just funny video, this reel. And I said, are you making this mistake? And I poured water on my dinner. And I'm going to do another one to follow up on this one. But it's gone hugely viral. And uh, people were asking, I didn't realize that if I drank with my meal, I would be diluting my enzymes. That makes perfect sense. You know, and, and the comments have come in. And so I mean, it was really fascinating, because I take for granted that when I learn something, everyone else has learned it too. Yeah. And yes. this is something so critically important, like, okay, stop 20 minutes before, begin one to two hours after, no more than four ounces with your food and chew your food till it dissolves in your mouth. I mean, that's critically important lesson. So I think, um, 
I think that was that was really great eye opening. I love it. I can just picture it. I'll have to go check check out your little. Yeah, video you have to check it out. That, you know, the visual of that is like, oh, is that what I'm doing? And you're sitting there going, yes. that doesn't look so appealing. But, you know, but, but that goes back to what we said initially is the common sense pieces, right? What is the common sense that people go, oh, yeah, hydration, just hydration in general, let alone the when to drink the water. And it's simple, yet people are not doing it. So we have to take them back down to basics. So some of the foods that are the foods that you're finding have the most impact on the female hormone system and the dysregulation are the carbs. Is that what what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah, it's the carbs. Okay. And what about folks who say, I'll throw this out to you because I've never had a good answer for it, but Oh, but no, it's the insulin dysregulation happens when the insulin receptors get damaged by fat. And all we have to do is go on a low, low fat diet with lots of carbs. It's not the carbs, it's the fat. Well, we would call that fasting in my world. <laughs> well, clean no up carbs. Receptor sites. Yeah, we'll, clean up we'll the receptor clean, sites. We'll right. clean up the receptor sites with some really low carb, low carb, low fat, low everything, right? Let's just fast. <laughs> there you go. And that's where fasting really helps. And by design, that's critically important. Fat is essential for hormone production. I've yeah. been following certainly my labs now very regularly and, and many of my clients' labs and I see an improvement in cholesterol. I see an improvement in, in energy and hormone balance and cognition in life. And I mean, it's just amazing. Like as you've seen in your community and with your practitioners and, you know, you see a difference, you see a visible difference, an energetic difference. And that's the key thing. We want to vibrate at the highest vibration we can. And so the energy that we're consuming, the energy that our body is making has to come from a place of being really well healed, really solid, really good communicators. And I keep saying communicators because to me, communication is, is medicinal. Communication is life-saving. It's, it's anti-aging in so many ways. And, and at the end of the day, it's our relationships, love and connection that make the day worth living. And mm-hmm. so, but it also comes down to cell-to-cell communication. When we heal cell-to-cell communication, they they interact well, and then they affect each other positively. So when there is an abnormal cell that's metastasizing, a healthy cell will turn that other cell off, will help close that gap, so, so to speak, close the gate. But when you don't, you have metastasis occurring. So communication, that's how important it is at the cellular level and in every level of our lives. Awesome. You know, communication, right? That's a <laughs> big problem in marriages. It's a big problem in relationships at work. I mean, communi- lack of communication. Of course, why not expect that that's going to be a problem in the body and in the regulation of the hormones and the glands and everything else that's working together. So I love, I love that clarification. And I also have a couple of more specific kind of things, things you've mentioned along the way. So I'm going to ask you a couple of key questions. One, you've talked keto green, and a lot of folks may not be familiar with that term. So I'd love you to explain it. Because when people think of keto, they're thinking of sitting down and eating butter and bacon all day long, lots and lots of fat, and not a lot of green things that are green. So tell us what keto green is. Right. And that's where it's so true that the concept of keto has really been about that high fat diet and lots of meat and 
And that couldn't be farther from the truth. The goal of keto is to get your body into ketosis, to get your body to burn our fat, not the fat that we're consuming. And plus, the healthy way, I would say there's keto dirty and keto clean, which is keto green. And this is the healthy way of eating keto. And that's that makes the difference because we're adding the alkalinizers because ketogenic foods and eating and fasting, all of those, you know, increase acidity in your body. You will rob Peter to pay Paul. And that's why you see such a big push towards mineral supplements and mineral salts and things like that now in the keto community because they're recognizing it. But we recognized it. Rita Marie, we had this conversation years ago Mm -hmm. talking about this. We have to have the alkalinizers on board. Plus, in every long living population, there's a significant amount of plant diversity that's part of the food chain. So it makes sense. It makes sense. And so adding the alkalinizers, the dark green leafies, the sprouts, the cruciferous vegetables for hormone detoxification, that's a critical piece to my meal preparations. And, um, and so that's the difference between keto green, because keto green is not just a diet, it's a lifestyle. It's eating, for example, a plate of smoked salmon with capers and red onions on a bed of arugula, you know, doused with some olive oil and served with a side of avocado. I mean, completely different than bacon and butter, right? <laughs> right. Completely different. And the right. nutritional value, again, it's it's calories versus nutrition. So the nutritional value is is tremendously higher in that case, assuming we can digest our food well. Right. So it goes back to, in order to have healthy hormones, in order to be eating for your female hormone health, we need to have, number one, focus on digestion, chewing food, eating in a non-stressful environment, but also having the digestive mechanism in place, good microbiome. So all of those things need to be intact. And then looking at the keto green, meaning more of Uh, more of the green leafies and all those great vegetables that have so much uh, nutrition with very little carbohydrate, very little starch, lowering the starches, and it doesn't mean zero, so I want to address that as well, and then good whole healthy fats. Is that kind of what sums up keto green? Yeah, and the goal is to heal the metabolism, to heal the cellular function, right? To give healthy fats for a good, healthy cell membrane. And how important that is as part of its healing, our healing journey. So, and then giving your body time, that time to rest and digest. And with the intermittent fasting, I think that is the, a mm-hmm. component of being keto green in the healthiest way possible. And of course, I always say test don't guess, because if we're not checking, for example, our urine pH and ketones, we may not realize how far off the mark or on the mark Mm. we actually are. Right, right. So totally cool. So if we were looking at somebody, you know, everybody likes to get it down to what specific foods should I tell people to eat for healthy menopause and healthy, healthy female cycles? What, in a nutshell, are those? Oh my gosh, in a nutshell, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some of my favorite foods, but I'm also gonna walk through my five plans in menu pause because it can be different depending on what you've been doing and what your body's healing from or going through at this moment. So some of my favorite foods are are like actually just had bison, my Georgia buffalo bison shepherd's pie. So I made it with bison meat, onions, garlic, small amount of carrot and cabbage, and then my, you know, mashed potato topping is actually mashed cauliflower with celery root. 
mm. topic. So all, you know, supporting phase one and phase two detoxification, you know, high quality fats, a lot of alkalinizers and cruciferous vegetables. So in that one meal, I've combined it all. And that's how I, that's how I think now. And that's how mm. I want my clients to think. It's like, what combines it? So that's one. I love smoked salmon. I love oysters. Olive oil is by far my favorite oil. Um, and I love, you know, I'm going to say I love my Mighty Maca Plus supplement. I love my adaptogenic supplement. I mean, I do it pretty much every day. And so that's kind of my my food, my food love that I love this stuff. And, you know, I'm a foodie in general, so I can go on and on and on because, there's a hierarchy to food for sure, but I do not discriminate. <laughs> I love food from around the world. And in fact, in my new book, Menopause, I incorporated snippets of menopause around the world. Nice. Nice. So it boils down to, right, good, healthy greens, yes. the cruciferous vegetables, colorful things, and the good fats, really, it has to be good yes. fats, not like, you know, saturated, um, processed stuff that's been, you know, through the mill, like the can of Crisco or whatever, things like that, which I think people have right. thrown away a long time ago. Although shockingly, some people still do those things. But good right. fats, balance of good fats, plus the lots and lots of green leafy vegetables and non starchy stuff. And in terms of your menus, you talk about um, where did the where does starches fit in? Where do things like quinoa or millet or rice or wild rice or things like that fit in? Or Those do they? are in your carb yeah in your carb up days. So and I recognize too, Rita Marie, because you're a vegetarian. I mean, there's the challenge, and you do this really, really well. You figured it out, but the challenge for so many of my vegetarians is too many carbs, is too much of the sugar. So um, and the fruits and the grains, but there's a time and a place for it, especially when you've healed your metabolism, like you have. So there's, you know, but you're fighting your genetics, too. So right. there's a time and a place for it. So there definitely is. And I think that it's not an all or none. It's a yes end. Sometimes mm -hmm. I do this, and sometimes I do that. But where am I at now? So for example, in, in many pause with the five different plans, they're, they're all six days. So what do you do day seven? Seven could be a fasting day, could be a feasting day, could be a challenge day. Like, okay, I've eliminated this food. I feel great. What happens if I add it back in? Mm -hmm. You know, it can be that expiration day. So when are we giving ourselves that, you know, that leeway? And sometimes we can't give ourselves an inch because we'll take a yard. And sometimes yeah. if we don't give ourselves an inch, we're not doing it, Right. 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 We're not doing it. So there's that there's that play. And, and that's how I kind of feel with um, why I created six day plans instead of seven day plans or I love that. Out. So I love that because it is the flexibility. So yeah. we've talked about a lot. We've talked about, you know, the foods that really balance the hormones sound like <laughs> lots of green leafy vegetables, lots yes. of cruciferous vegetables, the sprouts, yeah. the fermented yeah. what cabbage and all those sorts Absolutely. of things that can be fermented, kimchi, kimchi uh, yes, sauerkraut, uh, even making your own yogurts from nuts or seeds that have really good fat profiles can be mm -hmm. really helpful. So all of these things that make sense 
for just makes common sense makes sense for female hormones and then really keeping wraps on those carbs and then doing i love the menu pause idea of you know trying different ones and seeing where do you feel better and do you cycle through them how does that work right so i love that idea so if we're going to leave our practitioners with a few action steps that they could take the next time they're sitting across the table or across the Zoom from someone in menopause struggling with hot flashes and can't sleep and irritability, mm-hmm. what kind of what, what are the first few steps that you would give them to take with that person? Yeah, I would just say implement one of the keto green plans. I mean, they're six day plans and you can they're attainable. That's a bite sized plan, essentially, that's not going to feel overwhelming for the perimenopausal, menopausal woman. And so it's not going to feel overwhelming when you give six days and say, okay, let me see how you feel. And you're doing great. Let's continue on, you know, take a seventh day pause and and continue on. Let's see how, how we can do with this. But I think it's choosing the right plan to work for them. Maybe having to experience several of the plans before you figure, okay, this is the best one for now. And I think that's the key thing is like, okay, with that woman who crossed, she's overwhelmed, uh, giving her something like that, like one of the the book menu pause, one of the plans in there, it's definitely helpful and saying, okay, and a few, a few different things I want you to do. It's that basic, let's, we're going to intermittent fast, we're going to focus on getting you a good night's sleep, you're going to start your day with gratitude practice, you know, just mm-hmm. thinking of of things that make you laugh or make you feel grateful that make you happy. And those little things like are just the lifestyle pieces that will profoundly increase their compliance in your recommendations because they'll have more energy to do so. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we have been speaking to Dr. Annika Becca, author of the brand new book called Menu Pause and also author of Keto Green and the Hormone Fix. Is that what your first one was? The Hormone Hormone Fix, yeah. The Hormone Fix. So you'll see her on the, just visit the show notes page. You'll see links to all of her stuff on there, her complete bio. This has been really a great conversation because it's bringing it down to common sense Common sense plus science. And common sense plus science, I think, equals success. So as you guys work with your clients, you know, the more you master using food, not so, even so much as medicine, but to circumvent the need for medicine, right? To, you're really using food for function, to establish that function, the proper function in the body. The better results you're going to get, the more success your clients are going to have with reaching their health and wellness goals. And guess what? That's what we're here for. That's why we dedicate our lives to doing what we do. And as a result, you're going to get people who are referring other people. You're going to have a fulfilling and thriving practice where you feel great at the end of every day because you're helping to change lives for the better. So remember to download the functional food guide that I've put together for you that has all kinds of great resources related to food. And it's at www.reinventhealthcare.com forward slash food. And until next time, shine on. Thank you for listening to the Reinvent Healthcare podcast. Join the movement of practitioners that are guiding people to actually get well rather than covering up their symptoms. Connect with us at reinventhealthcare.com to access resources and tools that will empower you to create a thriving health practice.